Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Okay, Bobby, this is kind of an interesting Urban Spelunking for us because we're not talking about a building as much as we're talking about a street. And by street, in this case, we kind of mean an, an alley. <laughs> uh, this is, I love the lead <laughs> sentence in your story on here. I think this really kind of sums it up. You say, there's something about Front Street that oozes mystery. It does. Yeah, we're talking about this this Front Street. And it, it used to have these bars on it called, uh, let me just give you some a tease here. Some of the, the places, the Elbow Room, the Grog Shop, Whiskey A Go-Go. All places that were once located on Front Street. So where is this Front Street, Bobby, in downtown Milwaukee? Well, part of the mystery of Front Street is that it's called Front Street and it's actually sort of a back street, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. It (laughs) looks like an alley. Right. It runs one block from Mason Street to Wells and it's between the river and Water Street. And it was called Front Street when it was uh, laid out in the mid 19th century because there were no buildings on the west side of the street. So it literally did front on to the river. So it was okay. basically sort of shorthand for riverfront street. So the name made sense at, at one point. Yeah. And then they built <laughs> stuff all along the the west side of the street, sort of really turning it into a, an alley behind Water Street. And then the name didn't make as much sense. And now I think I would say most Milwaukeeans, if they don't know where it is, We'll know where it is as soon as you say it's where the safe house is. Hey, keep that quiet, Bobby. I don't know. Shh, I'm not giving out the password. <laughs> yeah. So if you've, if you've ever been to the safe house, you've stepped foot on Front Street. Yes. Um, that that, that might have just been like the, the aha moment for people listening right now. Right. You've probably been on Front Street if you've been if you've been to the safe house. You definitely have. But I, I know I've looked down this alley before and kind of wondered, like, what goes on there? What's been the history here? Because there there are, there are addresses on on Front Street on some of the buildings, and it has some some of those quirks um, that suggest a, a deeper history. The thing about Front Street is it ha- it used to have its own addresses. So like every other street in Milwaukee, the east side of the street would be um, even numbers and the west side would be odd numbers. But at some yeah, point, yeah, right. they basically gave all of those buildings on the east side of the street the same addresses as... The, those are the back of the buildings on Water Street. So they now have the addresses of the Water Street oh, okay. side of the buildings. Yeah. So basically when you go down the street, there's odd numbered there's odd numbered addresses on <laughs> okay, both sides. I can see that could be a little confusing, right? Well, and then when you're trying to look through records, you know, if you look up the addresses, you you have to, you know, sometimes you're looking up the existing Front Street address and sometimes it's giving you the Water Street address. And it was very complicated to try and work out what was where. So which added to the mystery of trying to figure out exactly where this um, series of bars and clubs had been located, because the other issue is that the entrance was in one building. The the bar actually snaked through the basements of two other buildings. So it's actually a trio of buildings had one venue in it. And I didn't know that there used to be these like um, calculators to figure out the addresses, right? All the addresses change. You needed like a little reference table to figure it out. Yeah, and I use it all the time. In 1931, they changed the numbering system of the of addresses in Milwaukee, and there is a, a street name converter. They published a you know like a list that showed you the old addresses and the corresponding new addresses, and I use that all the time. Wow. 
Well, coming up in the second part of our conversation here, Bobby, we're going to talk about some of the places that were, some of these bars that were connected to Front Street, like we mentioned, the Elbow Room, the Grog Shop, and I want to know about Whiskey A Go Go. Um, that, that <laughs> I bet you like do. A, that sounds like an interesting spot. We're going to find out more about that next on Urban Spelunking. Radio Milwaukee thanks you, our listeners, for making our membership drive a success. Your gift matters because Radio Milwaukee doesn't have one owner. We're supported by thousands of your neighbors, which means you hear music and stories as diverse as our city. Miss the drive? It's not too late. Give by 11.59 p.m. on May 30th, and you'll be entered to win a $500 gift card to Wheel and Sprocket. Donate at RadioMilwaukee.org slash donate. All right, and we're back on Front Street in downtown Milwaukee. This is kind of the the backside of Water Street, right? Between Mason and Wells. So let's. Uh, you said it was kind of a, a challenge to to figure out some of the history here because the addresses were different. At one point, they changed. You had to do some. You had to go to that conversion mm-hmm. table and figure out some of the uh, the addresses. But uh, you were able to find a, a series of businesses that were in Front Street on Front Street over the years. So where should we start here? Um, where does the story begin? Well, I'm going to just say that I did a ton of research on like city um, records and checking through city directories. And after I sort of had a whole list of sometimes conflicting information because of the addresses with all this stuff, I found Paul Blossfield, who I should say uh, was a key in all of this because he was the last guy to run uh, a bar in the space that we're talking about. So he shout out Paul. Yep. Shout out to Paul. He went downtown for me one day and he took a picture of the front door of the bar on front street and said, this was the entrance. (laughs) And we also occupied the two spaces next to it, you know? So like he, and he showed me the, interestingly, the back exit was on water street. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he showed me where that was too. So, so that was very helpful. He really, in the end, he, he made all of it exactly clear where, where this was. So I owe Paul a huge thanks. Um, But so in the, you know, the buildings on the water street side, it's the, you know, where the waterfront deli is, that was the middle building. And so the, so it was in the basement of that building and also the building to the South and the building to the North. So that will maybe help people figure out where we are. And uh, Jerry Pandel, who owns the Waterfront Deli, um, told me that when he looked at that space to buy it, it still had remnants of these clubs in the basement. And he actually looked at all three buildings because they were owned by the same people originally. And he was deciding which one to buy. So he looked at all three. Okay. So we're talking here, the, like the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point uh, there were still remnants. There was a, there was a, a pole that probably dated back to the whiskey a go-go days because they had go-go dancers there. Oh, that kind of pole. Okay. Yeah, that kind of pole. <laughs> Not the guy that's just holding up the ceiling. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Got it. <laughs> um, so anyway, and Jerry Pandel says that uh, he, he believes that there were speakeasies in all of those basements during Prohibition, which sort of leads us into like 1933, repeal comes, and almost immediately um, the tunnel in opens there see i i feel like these stories about the speakeasies are are kind of like in the same bucket as the ghost stories and the brothel stories i'm it's the same like, way i'm exactly right? the same way i'm always skeptical about it i usually i always want proof in this case i didn't find any proof but the fact that a place opened basically immediately you know well quote unquote i'm doing the air quotes opened uh-huh. you know 
immediately at the end of Prohibition makes me think that maybe it wasn't actually opening. It was just sort of coming out of the closet of, you know, being hidden away. And it has, it has kind of a sneaky name, right? I mean, the tunnel right. in, and it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a wink, wink, like what goes on there. Right. It sounds like it sounds like a legitimizing of something that hadn't been legitimate before, if you know oh, what I mean. Right? Okay. So, yeah. so I believe, you know, I don't, I don't, this is a case where I didn't really find any solid proof that there were speakeasies there, but it seems very believable in this case. Well, th- that means that the speakeasies did their job because it's it's still kind of a secret, right? Right. It wouldn't be really as, as much fun if we had firm confirmation, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but um, almost immediately, it's funny that uh, not long after, uh, the Tunnel Inn is open officially for a few years when it's busted by the police for having gambling devices, which yeah. was, which was bar dice. <laughs> yeah you said in the uh the piece gambling device i'm like what could they, do they have like a roulette wheel behind the bar like under a tarp but it sounds it sounds like uh it sounds it like they had a cup and some dice probably <laughs> <laughs> basically it was in milwaukee so <laughs> um so the tunnel in interestingly uh was there for a few years uh about 11 years to be exact if we don't count the potential speakeasy years yeah, 11 uh, bef- legit years. Yeah, before it moved down the street to what is now the safe house. So the okay. tunnel in, so the tunnel, tunnel in actually has a connect this space actually has a connection to the safe house space as well. Um, so after the tunnel in left, it became McCarthy's Elbow Room. Great name for a bar. Yes, and they immediately started have and I don't know if I'm not sure if the um tunnel in had live music, though I suspect it did. Um, but the um, elbow room definitely had live music, lots of jazz. They brought people in from New York. There were people who came in from Miami, um, and it stayed there for quite a while. It was there from the mid '40s until the early '60s. Oh wow, that's a that's a long run. Yeah, and it, it changed owners a few times, but um, and it sometimes it was called a cocktail lounge. Sometimes it was just seemed more like a tavern. Sometimes it was called a jazz club. But they did food, and as I said, they had live music. They also occasionally got busted <laughs> for same gambling devices or or other things for underage drinkers. Uh, probably also for gambling. Right. Um, uh, police said the elbow room at twelve thirty a.m. Sunday was jumping with juveniles, attracted <laughs> by a jazz combo. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love these old newspapers that you find that just so they just like so perfectly captured the era. Like, what was it? Uh, uh, jumping with juveniles. Like, I love that. Did you find any other history about about Front Street in the paper? I did. It was interesting that w- during the um, during the elbow room years, uh, there was a couple of newspaper articles uh, about a mysterious sidewalk that appeared. Okay. <laughs> the journal wrote in 1949 in November that a sidewalk appeared last week at the south of Front Street. Nobody seems to know how it happened. It's about 40 feet long and leads from Mason Street to the address of the Elbow Room. <laughs> that's not that's not a clue at all, is right? It? <laughs> uh, the city, sidewalk the, to the front the, entrance. Okay. It said the city had not put it in, nor had the city even issued a permit for anyone to put it in. At the Elbow Room, the bartender said he didn't even know anything about the sidewalk. <laughs> what sidewalk? <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course, the fact the sidewalk led right to the door seemed like a very relevant clue, I wrote. Um, but then uh, a couple of months later, uh, the sidewalk, the journal said the sidewalk is doomed to disappear. 
and it remained an orphan for several days before an elbow room manager disclosed that he had put it down as a safety measure because his patrons had to, quote, crawl over trucks in the street to get into the tavern. <laughs> Renegade sidewalk and talk about the 1949, like, get it done. We're just going to put in a sidewalk, right? Exactly. We want a sidewalk. <laughs> we're building a sidewalk. But then we're wow. going to deny it. We're going to deny it. <laughs> yeah, what sidewalk? That, that... I don't, what sidewalk? I don't know what you're talking about. Bar, you know that, what bar? That bartender was uh, was given a line to, to he get... He was. Well, what, what do you mean, sidewalk? I deny everything. <laughs> <laughs> so what about Whiskey a, Whiskey a Go-Go? I want to know about that place. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, the Elbow Room kind of ends in 1964, and it's very... It's very sort of appropriate because the same year that the Beatles appear on the Ed Sullivan show, the Elbow Room ceases to exist and the Whiskey Agogo is born. <laughs> uh, okay. And by the summer of 1965, uh, the journal wrote that it was one of the first places of its kind in Milwaukee when it opened last summer. Um, it said it, it, and it was Milwaukee's first disco tech, disco tech mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the French spelling. The TH. Um, and the queue. Yep, and the queue. Um, and it said it used to be a jazz club. And uh, it said the crowd now is largely college students and with rock and roll as background music. And was this the place that the paper talked to this 17-year-old? Yes. Yes. He said some stodgy adults might not understand what the big deal is about such places. <laughs> uh, and it said that it's it's too loud in there. The band is too loud. You can't hear people talk. And the 17 year old said, who wants to talk? You come here to dance. And if you want to talk, the band stops in between songs. That's right. (laughs) And so the big deal the the kid said was about English imports, like the Rolling Stones, the Beatles and the animals. Um, And so that's basically what happened. 1964, the Beatles are on the Ed Sullivan show in February. And by that summer, the elbow room is dead out with the jazz in with the whiskey a go-go and rock and roll. Um, and it became a really popular place for most of the rest of the sixties. Um, and at the end, oh, and that's, they also, by 68, they also had uh, go-go dancers as we said earlier. Well, whiskey a go-go, I suppose. Yep. Yep. And uh, whether or not they were in cages seems to be up for discussion. Some, I saw some references to there being cage dancers and, some other places made no such mention of that, so I don't know. So it sounds um, like a, a lively bit of nightlife on Front Street. Yes, yes. Um, I loved, uh, I loved too, what that seventeen-year-old said in in the quote where he talked about how you know you go there to dance, you're, you're not really going there to talk. And he said that it's kind of hard as a as a young man to to stay on top of all the dance trends. And oh yeah, yeah. He, he shared his kind of cheat code for how he how he learned the new dance because he said the girls were always changing the dance steps. Right. But the first step in learning is to watch some girl. <laughs> so you know what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> he was watching the girls. Watching the girls, <laughs> learning the dance moves, I'm sure, and then uh, yep, hitting yep. the dance floor. So exactly. It becomes a, a proper, I suppose, I don't know if proper is the right word, but it, it becomes a go-go dancer place as well, right? By, by yep, the end of yep. its life. How long is Whiskey a go-go around? When does it close? Uh, it's there till 69. So it was only okay. there about five years, and then it becomes the grog shop, Okay, um, which basically right when it opened still announced that it had live music dancing and booze in the <laughs> right word, in the word of the ads uh booze uh and i was struck had, by that too it seemed like the maybe that was geared towards you know a certain clientele yes and so they also that seemed to be very focused again on live music also lots of ads for bands playing there you know we, local local bands playing there 
We should shout out too at the elbow room, uh, this guy, the Scat Johnson and his Scat trio. Johnson. Yeah, we should Scat shout Johnson. him out. We should totally shout him out because I've always thought about writing a Scat Johnson story and I never have really done it. So he played at the elbow room uh, around what time? He played at the elbow room for decades. Okay. He played at yeah. the elbow room basically the entire time it existed from the forties, from the mid forties um, until the early sixties. And I'm pretty sure that I've heard people, Paul Seabar will correct me on this because he, he will know, but I feel like Scat also played he was a guitar player and a singer um, that he also played at the Tunnel Inn, but that might have okay. been when the Tunnel Inn was down the street. So he was he was in Milwaukee for decades, and his son Mark Johnson actually um, is a drummer and moved to New York. I'm guessing in the '70s, where he hooked up with um, Greg Osby and Cassandra Wilson and all those uh, sort of then young jazz musicians in Brooklyn, and he plays on all those early. Um, Cassandra Wilson albums, all those amazing early Cassandra Wilson albums. So I should shout out his son, Mark Johnson. Very cool. And there's a picture of Scat Johnson that you found in, it's kind of a grainy picture, but in a in an ad for his New Year's Eve show that he was playing at the Elbow Room, promising yeah. hats, horns, and favors galore. Yeah, and that was after he, he that was after he had been in Lionel Hampton's band too. He so he was definitely well known in town. Everybody used to go see Scat. He was the kind like like Paul Seabar is now. Scat was then. Like everybody knew who Scat was. All right, so we talked about a few different spots that were located in this area. Whiskey a Go Go closes in 1969. What comes next? Um, so the last place that was there, uh, the grog shop was there from '69 until. I believe the late seventies and then, um, Oh, it closed in 81. And that's when our friend Paul Blossfield bought it and opened the waterfront pub there, which was the last place to occupy that space. And he too continued the live music. It became sort of a sportsy bar because, um, a lot of admirals players started to go there. So then admirals fans started to show up. It sort of got like a hockey vibe, but he also booked like Pat McCurdy and other local musicians there. Um, and he lasted for a few years um, until it just got the the buildings needed too much work. He couldn't afford to put in the money that was required to fix him up, and he ended up closing. And now they're, they've been back to basements. Um, and I talked to Jerry Pandel, and his basement was completely uh, renovated when he bought the building, so nothing is left there. And since I wrote the story, I got into – another one of the basements and that also has been completely remodeled. So there's nothing left there either. The only place where there's potentially some left is the building to the North of waterfront deli, which um, is currently vacant. And I couldn't, I couldn't reach the owner to get in there. Well, thankfully you were able to get this much of the history in one spot here for front street. I, I could say I've always kind of wondered about what about that history in this, in this street slash alley. And maybe, maybe that's the case for you if you've ever been to the safe house. And this was just such a fun, this was a fun one, Bobby. So thank it you was for super fun to do. digging up all this history and sharing it with, with us today. Of course. Podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership, of course, and from On Milwaukee. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's content on our website, at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcast. And if you want to go right to Bobby's story where he's got some pictures, click the info box on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast right now. We've got Bobby's story linked in the uh, the info for this episode. So go check it out. See the pictures and more history at On Milwaukee. We've also got a link at radiomilwaukee.org. 
All right, Bobby. Front Street, this was fun. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week.